0: It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to the kickoff of our comedy month. And we are going to be talking about Ted Lasso, which is a show that I was very new to, just like a lot of the shows we're covering. But this this should be a fun month. This is going to become an annual thing, but I will tell you next year during May, we are not doing eight television comedy shows. It's too much for me. (laughs) I'm like so glad I have American Horror Story that we're watching for our Patreon episodes to sprinkle in there because I'm like, oh, this is just too much. So we're going to split it between comedy shows and then probably romantic comedies to kick off the month. So just to let everybody know. Uh, But I have a great panel with me for this one. So this should be a great conversation. I do have trigger warning scrolling on the bottom of the screen for the live stream. And I will give that for the podcast episode. We are going to be talking about uh, mental health because this show does deal with that, especially with anxiety and panic attacks but i did add depression in there as well so i think it's good to put those trigger warnings even though this is a comedy show i mean you still have a lot of heavy subject matter that they're dealing with a lot of the best comedies i think do that and i think this one does it really well so i was very happy that i did like this show since it was my first time watching it so i'm happy to report that that i am a fan for the most part, every show that I've been watching that's a new one for me, I've liked with the exception of one. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to go around and have my lovely panelists introduce themselves and tell me one thing they're into right now in pop culture. Bex.
1: All right. Um, I'm going to talk about an audiobook that I'm listening to right now. It's called All That's Left in the World, and it's by Eric J. Brown. And it's a post-apocalyptic YA queer romance adventure story. So like, you know, the end of the world has come and we're the only two left kind of thing. Not the only two, but, um, you know, they they found each other. Um, You know, it's a little bit, I think the beginning shocked me a little bit. I was a little bit triggered by the, it's a global pandemic and 90% of the population is gone. And I was like, Okay, but they did mention that it was in the future from like COVID had been one thing and then this is like in the future. Um, but it's, you know, it's really good. There's a lot of fluffy parts to it, but still some like secrets and some, oh, learning about each other and the the gay awakening and all, all,
0: all the tropes. So I'm enjoying it. Awesome. I do think that... Um... Now post apocalyptic things are now viewed a little bit differently in a different light. I know a lot of people have a lot of hard time mm-hmm. have a lot of hard. That's was not very well said, but have a hard time watching those now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I can understand and zombie that. movies too, because you know that if that really were to happen, there would be people out there claiming that was a hoax too, <laughs> or it's not that bad. Just just get bitten. Just get it over with. <laughs> Yeah, those hit
2: a little differently now don't they we're all like yes people would never be that stupid hmm. Yes, <laughs> they would.
3: Was like, oh. they we would had too be. much faith we were like no it can't be and then oh god damn it guys
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep yep so judy who hasn't been on for like a month and a half i think was the I last so, yeah. yeah yeah so what are well oh no it was back in march for when harry met sally So what are you into right now?
2: My current obsession is Our Flag Means Death. And for anybody that hasn't watched it yet, it's so good. It's a comedy pirate show on HBO Max. And it's just, it's amazing. So imagine the main, the head writer of this thing looked at a real life pirate story of um, Steed Bonnet, who was actually this rich aristocrat who, left his family, his children, his wife, his fields, everything, and just decided to go sail away and become a pirate, met the real Blackbeard, and they sailed and pillaged together for a while. And the writer of this looked at those two and said, hmm, I wonder why Blackbeard would decide to sail with this aristocrat, this gentleman pirate, and decided, oh, it must've been a queer romance fantastic um so it it's wonderful because it it is a queer romance and it's not queer baiting at all it's this is real this is happening you're watching this lovely rom-com between them and um it's got a ton of great queer characters so not even just the main characters but you've got i think in fact every couple that we see is non-traditional right so you've got um, polyamorous woman you've got gay men, non-binary characters, bisexuals, and to top it all off, uh, Taika Watiti romping around sailor ships in leather and tattoos, and that alone is worth the price of admission. <laughs> so go watch Our Flag Means Death.
0: <laughs> like I've said on every episode in the past two or three weeks. Um, this is all my Twitter line talks about, as I said, I haven't watched it and it'll probably be a long time before I do, but I know that everybody is very happy about this one. And I'm very happy for people that they weren't queer baited for once. And I am going to have to keep track because I think every week since this show has been out, it has been mentioned by at least one, if not two, three (laughs) panelists. So I'm going to keep track.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I started it out in the What We're Into episode. I brought it up in the What We're Into episode and was like, yep. (laughs) I wasn't (laughs) even finished watching it at that point. And I was like, everybody go watch it. Just do it. So I'm so glad it ended up being as uh, like not queer baby as I could have, it could have been.
0: Yeah. Or as those shows usually are, sadly. Uh, (laughs) I loved that look on Susie's face. (laughs)
2: Won't name any names right
3: <laughs> so susie what are you into oh listen it has been I think close to a week since I last saw this film but it has not left my little brain sphere and that is the unbearable weight of massive talent featuring one starring one Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal and oh my god listen I know there's other movies out right now, and there's gonna be other movies out right now. But take your heinies to the theater if you can, and see this movie because oh my god, it is a work of art, it is, and it's so freaking funny. It's just it's so good, and also once this is like kind of a minor spoiler like not really but a little bit but um the move i really love also that the movie agrees with me that paddington 2 is one of the best films of all time i'm just gonna say that (laughs) if you want more context about that go see the film
2: i did not expect that (laughs) (laughs) not
0: wrong it's it's the beautiful film
3: i love that funny little bear
0: yeah, and I saw it with Susie. Susie yep. and I and Paula. We went to go see this last weekend. And Susie was so adorable every... Because they mentioned Paddington 2 a couple of times. And every time that would come up, she was just so excited. It I was, was gonna ho <laughs> Yeah. It was the most adorable thing. Because, yes, it is an excellent movie. One of the funniest movies I have seen in a very long time. And... What I really appreciate about it is even though it is a comedy and it's about Nick Cage and Nicholas Cage and all the stuff we know about him, it's never poking fun at him. Um, Yes, there are jokes made about him, but it's never in a mean or vicious manner. So
3: yeah, Yeah, we're not laughing at him. We're laughing with him.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I mentioned it when we recorded an episode that's coming out next, so... (laughs) So we're kind of time traveling here, but Susie came up with a new game we are playing on here because oh, it turned out that our vice, vice, oh, my mascot? vice, 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 <laughs> or co- vice mascot. Mascot. yeah, our vice mascot, uh, unofficial mascot has now been crowned. It's that it's Finn Whitrock, so that's our vice mascot. Christian Epping Bale is still our unofficial mascot. Well. A couple of days before we went and saw this movie, in his Instagram stories, Finn Wittrock said his cousin wrote this movie, was one of the writers, co-wrote it. And we went, hey, and I I told that to, you know, my Finn crew, to Susie and Jen. And Susie's like, we should play Six Degrees of Finn (laughs) Wittrock on the podcast. So we're going to start playing that. And also just a shout out to Jen, my podcast brain twin, because she is the biggest Nicolas Cage fan I know and she plays 6 degrees of nicolas cage on her podcast now. So go listen to my streaming bubbles. So just wanted to give a shout out there. And then a connection to our unofficial mascot Christian Effing Bale is that when they were co- when they were starting to do this and putting this together and they were like, well what if nicolas cage does not agree to play himself because that was a very real possibility, one of the actors they were considering to play nicolas cage was Christian Effing Bale. <laughs> I still want to see Christian in a really big comedy. So I really want that to happen sometime. But yeah, and Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal need to do like a year of just movies together because <laughs> they are amazing together. So go see that. Yes, I definitely echo yeah, that. Yeah, their chemistry is so good. Like, oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. That's what I'm into. You're going to hear me say it. Spoiler, since we already recorded that. You're going to hear me say it on the One Day at a Time episode two but I'm saying it still again because really one of the funniest movies I have seen in a long long time. Okay, so let's get into Ted Lasso and I just want to know first your overall thoughts on the show and a favorite episode or scene Bex.
1: That was hard because I love this show so much, but um, you know, I've I've watched it I think four times. <laughs> Very similar to One Day at a Time. These are like my comfort shows, the rewatch. Just put it on in the background sometimes. Um, I'm very involved in this fandom. There's a clubhouse meeting that we have every Sunday on the app Clubhouse where we like recap the episodes and talk about them and analyze them. I do a book club that's uh, based on the books in Ted Lasso and all of that. So yeah, I love the show a bit. I would say uh, so many scenes, but the one I'm going to go with is the too many ghosts scene uh there's an episode when they're all in the pub they discover that the 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 rehab room or whatever it is is haunted and so ted comes up with this plan for them to exercise the ghosts and everything and they're they're talking about it uh may tells the history of what happened in that room and then um (laughs) it was Colin says that's too many ghosts and then Richard answers we cannot fight them all and I just absolutely adored that moment it's also great because they have a whole thing about Scorsese films in that scene where they're like going on saying like what's the best Scorsese film and and they're all fighting and bickering and everything and all of a sudden Roy just sh- like shouts he's like silence <laughs> like as if he's telling them to be quiet but also naming his top Scorsese film right so it's a-, a play there which then comes back into the um the beard after hours episode and there are other moments I can talk about them later once everybody else has had a turn and all of that so it I was like, if I just have to pick one that stands out to me, uh, it's going to be that one. So that, and that also, that's from the Two Aces episode, season one, episode six. And that's one where uh, we meet Danny Rojas as well. So that's what I'm going to go with.
0: And Judy?
2: Yeah, so overall thoughts. I love um, when a show doesn't have to have a villain. It can just be like, decent people with real problems just trying to to be decent people and uh, you know be funny while doing it it kind of reminded me of like that same Parks and Rec or Shits Creek vibe so I I love those type of shows And that so would when, when I heard that it was that kind of feel-good comedy I was like oh I have to watch this I figured that I would absolutely love it and the fact that Ted and Coach Beard for that matter are just good people who like try to really see the best in people and are genuinely positive and caring and really trying to like change the culture of this organization. I don't know. It just, it's just a hug, right? It's just really feel good. Um, plus it's funny as hell, right? It's so witty and clever. And I love that, you know, and in that first season it's, it's charming and feel good, but, I also love that in the second season we see that there's so much more going on, right? It gets it gets deeper, it gets more layered and more complex. We delve into some deeper issues between like Nate's downfall. You know, we see that even even being like super positive with somebody, it can't fix everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we see all sorts of you know everybody has issues.
1: We're in the dark forest.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, daddy issues galore, right? Like you get a daddy issue, you get a daddy issue, but then again, where would the entertainment industry be without shitty fathers, right? It Pretty much drives so many stories. I mean, between Ted and Rebecca and Jamie and Nate, even Roy. And I love the way they contrasted them with Sam who actually have a, has like a loving and supportive father. So yeah, I, I, you know, first impressions of the show were initially, oh, this is such fun and it's sweet and um, just fun. It's like a hug. But then, second impressions is even better because you're like, wow, there's a lot um, more going on, and I just, I just love that that it delves into so much more. Favorite episode or scene? I don't know. Honestly, my one of my favorite things are just those just the rapid fire little little quips uh, that just they just happen all throughout the the show that just every single time i see them i laugh harder than the time before i know the joke's coming but i still like you know when rebecca says i just talked to the owner of the sun and ted's like you talk to god (laughs) I, (laughs) i die every time um or the caesar you later or you know just like I just love all those fun little little quips those Mm -hmm. those are I think my favorite
1: yeah that's it's hard to pick a favorite episode because they're all it's sprinkled throughout all
0: of them right yeah exactly exactly (laughs) yeah I mean I knew that would be the hardest question I was gonna ask (laughs) I always know those that's the hardest one but I like I like to make people squirm no not squirm is not the right word
2: when you
0: people. say you can only talk about one favorite,
3: you know Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Susie. Oh, I just I really love this show because like as as Bex and Judy have mentioned before, it 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 is a comedy, but it's I feel like it does and the We'll get more into this later on, but I feel like it does a really good job of like discussing and tackling some some more like um, complex topics and representing them in what I feel is a pretty uh, respectful manner and one that like doesn't make fun of them, but more like seeks to make the audience understand what it's like and what it could be like for people who are going through like depression, anxiety, or pet or, or people who have panic attacks. Um, but i love also how how ted just comes in he's a complete outsider he has no idea what he's doing and through his just like his tedness he he manages to bring this team who has just been kind of like co-workers in a sense and turns them into like a found family and i really i really like that and i think that that's Really sweet. And I just I love found families just overall. Mm-hmm. Oh, but like favorite episode. This is Aaron. Why did you do this? Usually you say three max and you just said one this
0: time. How Ooh. dare you? I know. Because because I wanted to make sure we could cover a bunch of other things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Um uh, torture. Well, no. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah,
2: There's a lot
3: of, like everyone has said before, there's a lot of really good moments throughout the show, but an episode that I just really like overall in its entirety is the Christmas episode, Carol of the Bells, because it's, <laughs> gotcha. I just like, I, I just love it from beginning to end how Higgins is just like, hey, um, we're having a dinner in my family for any one of the other players who, who don't have family in town you can come meet with us and you kind of get the sense that he's probably maybe proposed this before and no one has come. But thanks to like the change in, in environment and the camaraderie that Ted has brought in, like almost all the team shows up and each one of them bring their own like Christmas traditions and they're all playing with his kids and, and eating food together and just having a really jolly time and, Rebecca supports Ted during his first, like, post-sort of divorce Christmas to make sure he's not all sad because she knows what that's like and she doesn't want anyone to feel, like, as lonely or as upset as she did. So she's like, hey, we're just going to go. We're going to do fun Santa Elfie things. And then at the end when they all come together to sing the Christmas song, with with the with the street uh, musicians oh it's just it's like i just love it so much it's yeah. it's, it's such a great like feel good episode and it's it is one of it's, my favorites so fluffy i love it i could watch it's it over so great.
1: and over yeah could, and I team higgins
2: Christmas all the way who does not love higgins mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> oh yeah absolutely yeah that was the episode i was going to mention <laughs> 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 I have a thing about Christ- Christmas episodes in shows, and some shows do them exceptionally well, like The Office, uh, The Mindy Project, and also Thanksgiving episodes. There are a lot of um, shows that do those well, like I think Friends always did those really well. So I think this show is another one that did that incredibly well because of all of the storylines going around, and you get to see different things. Interactions and different stories and different um, journeys, character journeys and character growth, you know, like, and I love because as people may or may not know, I am not a big fan of the movie Love Actually. And so I loved the scene with Roy and Keely when they're going around with his niece and they go because, you know, she has really bad breath because of a new antihistamine that she's been taking because she's allergic to the cat they got. And when she goes to the house of the boy that gave her, you know, like all like toothpaste and mouthwash and all this stuff because he said her breath stank. Stink, oh, yeah, that it's stinked, and so she goes there, and she they've got she's got the cards, <laughs> like from Love Actually, and you know, basically in the end, saying she forgives him, and there is one card saying, "But if you aren't nicer, this is <laughs> this is my uncle," and he, you know, because Roy Roy's instinct always is to go to anger, you know, and he always has the growl, and he's and you always hear him growling, kind of thing. I, I love him, but. So, I just really loved that scene. And I loved that it was a play on a movie that I don't like and a scene, especially that I don't like. And so, I don't know, it made it a little bit more
3: bearable, bearable to look
1: like. It's my least favorite Christmas movie of all time. And, yeah. but they did a nice spin with it in here. You're, you're, yeah, absolutely right. I
2: loved it. I loved it. I uh, do like yeah. the movie, but that part is creepy. That oh, particular so storyline. The rest
0: of them I like, but that one is, like, <laughs> no. Well, it's a typical romantic, yeah, you know, but trope. It, sadly, but <laughs> the stocking thing about the
1: Christmas episode is that that and Beard After Hours were episodes that were added in by Apple after the fact. So. They had a ten, oh, they that. had a ten episode contract for season one. That's what they thought they were having for season two. And then after they had written it, Apple came back to them and said, "No, we want twelve episodes." And so they had to come up with these two episodes that didn't break from the storyline that they were trying to tell, but also, you know, they they could stand alone. Um, and so we get the Christmas episode, which is like fluff galore, and then Beard After Hours, which is another one of my favorites. Um, which is just so out there uh, and very Scorsese esque uh, as well. So,
3: fun fact yeah, we <laughs> yeah. Also, another fun fact about the Beard After Hours. I think they like revealed in a behind the scenes that they actually filmed that all on an iPhone.
0: <laughs> nice, like, that whole episode.
3: <laughs> hmm.
0: I'm here for that. <laughs> Which is another way to plug Apple. Yeah. Right? <laughs> But no, that's that's yeah, because there have been some movies that have come out that are all filmed completely on an iPhone. But yeah, okay, well, let's get into the character of Ted Lasso. I just wanted to single him out because the show is named Ted Lasso, and I think it's important to talk about him. Played by Jason Sudeikis. and this was a character that was in like it was like a Super Bowl commercial or something like that. That's where he first originated, some sports thing Ad-
1: advertisements for the Premier League soccer. Okay, league being played on NBC in the U S. And so they asked him to create these sort of promo yeah. things for, for the soccer league.
0: Yeah. And usually if you hear that, I remember when I heard it was being turned into a show, I'm like, those things always kind of make me go uh, like, re- I don't remember if anyone remembers, but the caveman Geico commercials. And now that, that ended up becoming a show. So when you hear that kind of stuff, you're kind of like, okay, but this one did work, but I just well, want to know your are
2: that- You know, um, Jason being from SNL. And SNL has tried several times to make their little bit characters into bigger things. And uh, a lot of times it's been a pretty big flop.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. With the exception of some things. But yes, it has been. Yes. Yes. You're right. So, Bex, what are your overall thoughts on the character of Ted Lasso?
1: Look, I wasn't necessarily planning on ever watching this show because I'm not really into soccer and I you know I, Jason Sudeikis is fine and everything but like the character he's playing and the actor that he is is just such like a midwestern white boy and I was like do we need that story again <laughs> but it was nice that it it did come out differently um, you know I I like the way that he tries to use positivity but how the show reveals that that hyper positivity is not always the solution and is oftentimes a big mask for your own trauma and pain, which we learn about Ted more so in season two, even though we get a little a little insight to it in season one. Um, I, I think there's something really interesting about his mentality of never wanting to give up, you know, when he and his wife are finally coming to terms that they're going to to divorce and he's like I I I don't want to give up and she has to tell him like you're not giving up you're letting me go and like that's different you know to be able to recognize that so I I really like the the kind of journey that he goes through with that I, I think well I'll save talking about his mental health and stuff for a, a little bit later but I do appreciate the way it's portrayed the way he tries to put himself out to the world and what's kind of going on behind that and how that ties into his relationship with Dr. Sharon that we see uh, later on and my other big thing about Ted before I (laughs) finish my turn is I said I do a book club on on the books that appear in Ted Lasso and like what Fountainhead Fountainhead is your favorite book like I have questions. I have a lot, a lot of questions because there is, you know, uh, the book club and, and I, we were all just guesting on, uh, the Lassocast podcast. And we went on a rant for like, I don't know, probably 10 minutes about Ayn Rand and like what she stands for and, and how that ties in with Ted. And there is a moment where he says, you know, Ooh, bit of a curveball, huh? Like you wouldn't expect him to like that. So I'm, I want to know why why fountainhead ted lasso
0: <laughs> yeah judy
2: uh, well bex talked about a lot of the same things that i just love about ted he's just one of those people that just tries so hard um with everyone he meets from you know his boss who you know a lot of people they save all their good for you know dealing with the people of power but Everybody from the, from the guys on the street that call him a wanker all the time. <laughs> so he just treats them all with such respect and positivity. And I just, I love, I love that about him. And yeah, we definitely get some glimpses into there's, that, right? That there's, there's such a thing as that toxic positivity, um, if you will. And it's really just a way to keep himself from having to be vulnerable with people. And, um, you know, Bex. I know you touched on his divorce. I just wanted to add to that. I absolutely loved the way that they handled that to show that two people can care about each other and love each other and respect each other, but understand that they're not necessarily what's best for each other in a romantic relationship and to to be able to let her let each other go without cruelty and fights and and everything else it was just it was just lovely to see that it was it was painful but i'm so glad that that tv is showing us the less dramatic side of the way that relationships can break down And then when we learn about what's going on with him internally, because obviously we know something from the very beginning, right? He's been having these anxiety issues from nearly from the start, but when we learn it's about his father that he looked up to so much um, who committed suicide. And then, you know, when you realize that it's the reason that he just streams, you know, constant love and support and reinforcement and all that is uh, an effort to save the entire world because he couldn't save his father or say the things to the entire world that he couldn't say to his father. It's just, it's like heartbreaking, but so such an interesting complexity to a character. I just, I just love that. So Yeah, I I love Ted Lasso. I love the character of him. And it's so interesting to see this, this development in him, but also really sad, because that is a weight that no one can bear, that no one can carry. Um, And to watch him try to carry the weight of the mental health of literally everybody he comes into contact with, it's just too much.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. And Susie.
3: Like, like, um, Judy mentioned before we get his, we get to see his divorce and how kind of well that's handled, of like, and how there's also this somewhat like commentary that, like, sometimes marriages don't work out. Sometimes people just fall out of love with each other and it's okay to let go. And like, oftentimes media shows us that divorces are this like messy, horrible thing. And we do kind of see that. We kind of get like an idea that that's probably what happened with Rebecca's divorce before the, sh- the start of the show. Um, but with Ted, we get to see kind of like the more somewhat like am- amic- amicable. amicable. Yes. Yeah. Is that is that, okay, yeah. is that English? You get to see <laughs> some of the, the more understanding side. And what I also like is that afterwards and she's like oh I'm sorry I had a late night and he even tries to be supportive of her finding new partners and being like oh was it a guy and then like oh I'm sorry I crossed the line I just hope you have a good night hope our person is doing okay and stuff and I do like seeing that where it's like relationships can end and you can be supportive of your partner going forward and finding new happiness in their life and even later when she finds out about the panic text, she's like, We're here for you. We love you. Just like let us know if you need anything. And I really like that that even though they're apart, they're still supporting each other. And like something that I really like about Ted is that you can kind of see how like wherever he goes, he tries to like uplift people as much as he can. Like even when they're doing their like brief news coverage on him, like, oh, he went to this college that was like the worst in their state or whatever. And he turned them into some of the best. And you can see the video of him just dancing with the football team and everyone's and it's a real sense of also like camaraderie and just friendliness. And I think also all of that stems from like he knows what it's like to be like sad and upset and he doesn't And also like part of his, I think, unrelenting positivity is that he doesn't want anyone to ever feel that way or to have to feel that way. But also when they have like their loss and even Ted goes up to the team and says, I want you to remember how you feel right now. And I want you to know and like, yes, this sucks, but also remember that you are so lucky to be going through this with other people because it sucks to go through this alone. And remember, you all have each other. And I just, I really like that. Because, yeah, it fucking sucks to go through really sad things by yourself. And sometimes, like, even just having an understanding presence with you, I feel also really helps in those, like, moments of, like, downturns as well. And I just really love Ted. And I just want him to find all the happiness in life, like, with all my favorite
0: characters. (laughs) that i've adopted but yeah Uh, i i love this character because this is a character that in other shows has been very toxic in the past very much a um portrait of toxic masculinity whenever you see like a coach of any kind of sports team usually it's portrayed like someone who is not in touch with his emotions at all. And then he learns to become in touch with his emotions. And granted, he doesn't deal with his own mental health, but this is not a man that's not in touch with his emotions. And I really, really appreciated that, especially in a role like this where he typically, even though I love the character of Roy, typically every guy on this kind of show would be like Roy. And to even a more, more, even far out there extent. Um, and then also like Jamie, it'd be like a combination of that, of like womanizing and then also very angry all the time, then not in touch with emotions, that kind of stuff. And so I really love that Ted isn't like that. And, you know, Coach Beard isn't like that. And having, having that is really important, I think, for people to see um and for men to see i do think it's important for men to watch this and to see that and to not be afraid to you know being in touch with your emotions and being an emotional human being and wanting others to be emotional and you know wanting to you know embracing the fact that men are going to sit there and talk about their emotions and talk about the hard times they've had and to realize that doesn't make you less of a man It doesn't make you any less strong. It, I think, makes you stronger and makes you a better and more well-rounded human being. So I really love that about him. And I think, you know, he's dealing with so much unresolved trauma that he went through at a young age. And he doesn't. He feels like he's handling it by making sure everybody else is okay. But he's like a typical kind of empath. He's kind of, he's, he's kind of an empath. And when people are very empathetic, sometimes they forget about their own feelings and their own mental health. And you see that with him, with the panic attacks. And we'll get into that later when we talk about how this show handles mental health. Uh, so I think that's very typical for people like that. And, and it's refreshing to see that in a man. And to see that portrayed that way and to see it where it's, it's a straight white man and you see that he is not just toxic masculinity. I just so love that about this character. And that's why, you know, I wasn't familiar with, you know, the char- with the original um, commercial or anything like that. So I wasn't really familiar with this character. So that was another reason I was kind of like, I don't know if I want to watch this. <laughs> so I was glad when I heard it wasn't like that. And I was glad when I started watching it and saw that it wasn't like that at all. And I think Jason Sudeikis does a really, really excellent job in this role. Once again, comedy is flipping hard. Being funny is really hard. It's a lot harder than being dramatic. And, but there are those dramatic moments and those notes that he hits in here. And I always think people that are really good at comedy are usually 99.9% of the time going to be amazing at dramatic work. And he definitely is. He is so, so good. He deserves all the awards attention he gets. He's just so, so good. I think this is one of my favorite male comedic performances in a television show because of all the layers he brings to this character and how he interacts with other actors. He's a very giving actor and he's very present for whoever he is working off of. And he has chemistry with everybody, <laughs> every single other actor he has chemistry with. And that's a remarkable thing too. So I just, I think overall, he's just a, a great character and it's a great, great performance that, I mean, the show is still going on of course, but that I think will be remembered for ever kind of thing. It's one of those that will go down in history like that. So.
2: I wonder if part of that comes from having been um, Growing up in, in the comedy world Very much a part of ensembles From Saturday yeah. Night Live Where you you know, you know are definitely mm-hmm. only one of many And you've got to bounce off of all those people And the guest each week with, Who may or may not have any talent Or even Second City Like he's been in <laughs> Susie
0: <laughs> She's not wrong though like, She's not uh- <laughs> Just casually <laughs> drop that too, it's so great.
3: To <laughs> read, oh my God, spill the tea, sis.
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I think maybe some of that uh, being such a giving a part of an ensemble probably comes from, from that, from not needing to be the center of attention in shows like SNL and, and Second City.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's a very, very, very good point. Yeah. And I think you'll find, I think a lot of actors that come from that are like that you'll find in a lot of other things. It's the same with like theater, because to me, when you're doing that, a show like that, that's theater, that's, you're basically doing theater, even though it's on show, they're doing it in front of an audience, they're live, Mm -hmm. anything can happen. So I, so I think, you know, when you're, when you work in theater, when you do theater as an actor, um, the theater community is a little bit, different as far as like, you know, you, you, it's so much an actor's medium, really, Uh, you know, whereas this kind of stuff is usually director's medium. So when you have that, you have that camaraderie, you have to be together because you're live and you don't get another take. So that probably has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I think he's really good. So, so I'm giving you more than one here. (laughs) So maybe it won't be as hard but Bex what are three of your other favorite characters on the show?
1: So ironically this would have been easier for me to just pick one <laughs> than the yeah. episodes. But I... <laughs> <laughs> <And> Then it, <laughs> you can just <laughs> only <me> three? But... <laughs> yeah so my number one hands down no questions asked live or die check out the jersey. I've got my Obisanya jersey on. Sam is just he is hands down my favorite character he's just so pure he's pretty he's very genuine and kind and like for real like that that the section where he had the whole thing with um Edwin Akufu in season two where he's being recruited to play for this team in Africa that the guy doesn't even own yet but he's gonna own and and that he like buys out a restaurant and he like rents out the whole museum and puts in actors and it's like he keeps trying to say i'm not like other billionaires but like acts exactly like other billionaires and and the fact that sam doesn't get swept away in that um it just he's just so pure his his eagerness in the beginning his homesickness in that first uh first couple episodes there that he's dealing with but then when Jamie comes back in, in season two and he's just like, no, things have changed. Like you can't push me around. So he's not a pushover. He's, he's kind and sweet and genuine, but he doesn't, he won't take any sort of like abuses. Right. He, he, he finds his own strength. Um, Just real quick. I picked the, other two it was so hard to pick two more but I was like I'm gonna go with May because I just love that she brings in that outsider perspective in the in the pub and the pub guys with her the way she deals with them and so on love the pub guys um and Phoebe Phoebe is just she's the perfect foil to Roy like, you need to have her there just so we can see that he is more than that gruff, growly bear man, whatever, with nice brows. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had to bring that up some point. <laughs> He's on that list. Um, you know, she just, her presence there really helps us see more dimensions to Roy than I think we would in in any other situation so those are the three that i went with but it was really hard to just like one or all like it it was hard. (laughs) there's only one character i don't like and that's rupert
0: (laughs) (laughs) so judy was this really hard for you too then
2: um I, i mean i totally agree like there's just so many wonderful characters that have so many fun nuances and layers and it's really hard to hate any of them i mean even rupert yes of course it's great to hate him but like you see oh my gosh does he actually love this new girlfriend like it's (laughs) so yeah it's it's kind of hard to hate any of the characters because they're all so great and um bex those were great picks you know those were ones that didn't even come to my head because they're all those are pretty minor characters but Yeah, great, great picks. (laughs) I went a little bit the opposite route. And, of course, Roy frickin' Kent. I mean, I love Roy so much. (laughs) He's such a fantastic character. Every time he's on screen, I'm smiling. Um, And and I think the reason why is because no matter what you think he's going to do, he's going to surprise you, right? He's this super masculine, angry, competitive athlete, and he ends up surprising us at every turn by being soft and thoughtful and forgiving. And um, you know, examples of that is like when when you think he's gonna go beat the crap out of Nate for for kissing his girlfriend, he chooses. You know what? He made a mistake. I'm gonna forgive the guy. Or when Keeley's like, I just need some space. He chooses instead to be, instead of getting angry and be like, what do you mean you don't want me around all the time? Like, you know, many egotistical athletes would do. He chooses instead to give her this beautiful alone time and just pamper her. Oh, he's just, he's just so awesome. I just love that. And, um, his heart eyes, every time he looks at Keeley are to die for the Absolute best. <laughs> um, yeah, and I love that we just get to see him growing and changing and becoming a richer character for his um, interactions with Ted and Coach Beard and and everybody else for that matter, and Keely, of course. And then my other favorite, I decided instead of talking about three separate, I was gonna combine my second favorite into the friendship between Keeley and Rebecca, because it is just, I think, part of the heart and soul of this show. It is really absolutely one of the the bright spots. Um, I mean, when we first meet them, Keely's scared of Rebecca, which is so cute. Because <laughs> uh, Ke- Rebecca, I mean, she commands a room, right? Like she is just, She's scary, <laughs> um, and off and standoffish at first. She doesn't think she can trust anybody. She's just been hurt, and to watch Keely knock down that wall, and even after she finds out that that Rebecca was actually going to hurt her, like intentionally hurt her, like I guess. Keely just breaks down that wall. She gives her a compliment. She is in awe of her beautiful breasts (laughs) and we we just see that little little cracks um with Rebecca and I don't think Rebecca would be the same person that she becomes without that friendship of Keely that love between those two grows so deep um the way Keely builds up Rebecca and she helps to like restore her confidence because she was so beaten down by that bad marriage. And in return, the way Rebecca builds up Keeley's confidence and that, you know, you're more than just a washed up model, more than just a pretty face. You are smart and um, capable and can do great things. And I love, you know, just that women supporting women and that that mentor-mentee relationship. It's so beautiful. And the way Rebecca just develops this this confidence um, around Keely is I just love to see it. And you know I agree with Keely when Rebecca is is at her best. I'm like I'm with her. Let's invade France.
0: <laughs> and I also appreciate that they that yes they talk about men and they talk about relationships with men, but their sole friendship is not based around men. And that is so crucial, and you don't see that a lot with women.
2: Well, in a show about sports, exactly. You're not, yeah. you're not <laughs> expecting to uh, to pass the Bechtel test very much.
0: <laughs> very, very true. Very good point. Yes, yes. Which and was clearly, literally I was pretty hesitant.
2: much the only women. I mean, there's a couple little side characters, but yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Agree, agree. Yeah. So, Susie oh see this again aaron
3: we could have done a reverse just like <laughs> <laughs> they are the person What it is this? um no i will say to like repeat duties just roy kent i love him so goddamn much he is so unapolog- unapologetically himself and it is just a joy to see like when we first see him after he's he's um, retired from soccer and we see him versus season two, they're like, oh yeah, he's taking a coaching gig and we just see him yelling. And, <laughs> and, he's, and you're like, oh, sure. oh, you probably went to like a premier league or something. And no, it's just, it's girls soccer. It's so funny. And I just, I love how like, he's so down to just like be there for his niece and just kind of be the father figure in her life and just do stuff with her and like support her be like and even even when they have like the what is it like the curse start it's not a curse start it's like a curse trust fund (laughs) every time he says a bad word she's like i'm keeping track i have like a thousand pounds now thank you (laughs) (laughs) like i just love that they like set that up between those two and like his relationship with three is just one of like the sweetest things and even like like in the christmas episode (laughs) he's just like okay we're gonna i don't care if it's christmas we're gonna go from house to house because we live in a rich neighborhood and we're gonna find a dentist like i don't care what they're doing we're gonna have them help you like right now (laughs) And, just, and he's just he's gone no, they're going house to house and it's it's so it's so great and oh and yeah like I can see probably in like how other shows like Roy Kent's character could be very unlikable but we see like how much like growth he's gone through like when he had like when Isaac has doubts about being the team captain he takes him to where he used to play soccer and it's like whenever i had any doubts about my ability i would come here because these are teenagers and they don't care who you are they just want to play and it really humbles you and just like him having isaac have that ex- had that experience i think was really nice and just like and also i love this to see the progression that he has of his relationships with other characters most notably jamie because the first season they don't like each other like at all and he is always so down to just beat the crap out of this guy but in the second season when jamie has that moment with his dad and like he just punches the daylight out of him and is like i don't want you in my life you're really shitty and when you see roy walk towards jamie you can see Jamie kind of like tense up like oh god he's gonna hit me he's gonna do something and Rory just hugs him and you can see like just the tension just leave both their bodies and they're just there for each other because as much as they like give each other shit there is some kind of like respect there and we cry It's, it's, it's beautiful. And I just, I freaking love Roy. Like, he's like, listen, today's mug was chosen in spirit of Roy. Because to those who are not watching the live stream, it is like a bright yellow mug that says, I'm a ray of fucking sunshine. And I can absolutely see either like Phoebe or Keely getting this for Roy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I'm just having his coffee. But yeah, like he, he's not. Like he's, he you also get the sense that he's had like really bad relationships in the past and to see his relationship with keely be so like uplifting and positive like it's like even from the beginnings when he's like oh i'm so mad that she kissed jamie and even when he goes to talk to ted and the rest of the guys they're like so you're mad that she kissed someone before you guys weren't even dating and they kind of help him see how kind of a little bit like messed up that train of thought is and he's like you know what you guys are right i was wrong." I'm going to go apologize and do things right. And he just supports her in, in her business endeavors and and uplifts her up as much as he can. And even, like, he he just wants the best for her and she just wants the best for him. And they're just so sweet together. And I just love them so goddamn much. <laughs> I really like Leslie. Because <laughs> he's, like... When he first starts out, he's just kind of like Rebecca. This is kind of like reluctant second in command. And he knows that she can be, when she's scheming to bring down the team, he knows that she can do better than what she's planning. But he's like at that point, not like confident enough to like really like tell her. And then when we see him build up his confidence, and be like, no, I'm done. I quit. I'm going to go home do my own thing and then they have that moment in his house when they're talking about things and they work it out i think it's really nice to see like his progression to like how much more of a of a part of the team that he becomes rather than just like the financial guy who does does i think the team's taxes or something like is kind of his main manager or
2: something manager
3: like (laughs) (laughs) co-manager
2: ahead of his roaming office is the best gag though (laughs) yeah yeah
3: Yeah. um but in well also another character that i've really kind of liked and that i've really enjoyed learning more about was like isaac who became the new team captain after roy left and we do like like i said before we see him go through that like doubt of like oh i'm not doing good enough i'm not not being the best and then he has that moment with Roy where he is where he's like okay I can I can do this I can do this and I just love that scene with Sam when they're like Isaac gives us like one haircut a year per season and this is like a special thing and the fact that Jan Maas doesn't understand this he's like are we just gonna stand around (laughs) just watch him give give this guy a haircut. Jamie's response shut the fuck up young (laughs) boss like it's 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 so good but just Isaac just being uh, like a hundred percent there for his team and wanting to be the best team captain is something that I have really enjoyed like seeing as we learn more about him
0: I really like it (laughs) yeah I mean Roy is my absolute number one favorite character on the whole show um I, you know, and I did mention when we were talking about toxic masculinity that usually a character like this would be the way you would see um a coach of a, of a team. And of course, he does coach <laughs> kids. Uh, and I, I love that he's yelling at the kids. I know <laughs> only because, you know that that would probably be me trying to coach kids because <laughs> I'm not a big a big kid person. Um but i i I think he's more than just that, and you see it pretty early on he's a very sensitive caring human being and he's got a lot of insecurities. He's got a lot of insecurities in the fact that, you know, he's getting older and he sees all these young men coming up and taking his place kind of and pushing him out. And he's not the hot shot he was before. And you really see that, especially with Jamie. I'm, I, I will say I'm not the biggest Jamie fan, uh, <laughs> Not really a big fan of that character, but I do think their relationship is interesting to see and how uh, eventually, you know, he comes to have some respect and admiration for Jamie and wants to see Jamie do better. And I love that he doesn't always play into what you think is going to happen with him, like has already been mentioned. And, you know, with, with Jamie, there was also the fact that Jamie tells Keely that he loves her, And you don't see Roy react the way you think he will. And I think it's because he's grown once that happens. But I think there's a part of you that kind of expects that he might go and, like, you know, beat the crap out of Jamie or treat Jamie like crap from then on out. And he doesn't. And I think that's pretty great to see. So I just really – I love him. I love – Watching him, his face is so expressive, even when he's not saying anything. He has one of the most expressive faces in the whole show. And I just, I i love watching him with Keely as well. I love watching him as an uncle. Uh, I love watching him with Ted and just everybody. He's another one on there that I think it has great chemistry with pretty much everybody as well. And it's different kind of chemistry, but great chemistry. So Yes, I love him. I love Rebecca, and I appreciate when this show first started in the first season, she is very much set up to be a villain. She really is set up to be someone who's going to try and who's using Ted and wants to see Ted's downfall, wants to see the team downfall. You know, she's plotting against him. She does not want to like Ted. The fact that Ted is always bringing her biscuits, and she loves every single biscuit he brings, and it infuriates her. (laughs) to no end is the best
3: the, the part that i really like too is that even when he brings her like sucky biscuits she still eats them like when yes. he changes the sugar for salt and she's like he's like oh i'm so sorry i'm gonna throw this out she's like hold on it's, it's kind of good it's come back <laughs> around again
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and she, but she's so frustrated by it at the same time but i love watching like in the christmas episode when her and ted have a moment of hanging out. And I, I really appreciate that. I really was worried they were going to try and get those two characters together. And I, and they kind of allude to that we'll get into ships in a moment and I would not want them together. I want them to be friends. I want to see a healthy friendship between them. I don't want them to eventually be like in game personally. Um, but I just, I appreciate watching an older female character who, yes, at first she is characterized as she might be the villain of the show, but that's ultimately not who she is. She's coping with a very, very, very messy divorce. Whereas I think with Ted, Ted's divorce, even though there's messiness there, there's also this very healthy respect that they both have for each other. And that is not there with Rebecca and her ex at all. Like zilch, nothing. And you can tell she's been treated like garbage. By him. She has a lot of self-esteem issues with getting older and the way she looks. And I mean, she's drop dead gorgeous, but she has a lot of that because as a woman, um, you know, once you reach a certain age, you were not considered as desirable. And so she is dealing with a lot of that. I think that's why it's interesting watching her relationship with Keely, because I think there was a part of her at first that was like, this is just like a model. She's just uh, brush her off. But then she realizes how important it is to have Keely in her life and how um, how Keely really, you know, gives her some self-esteem and gives her some more confidence. And I just – I love watching her grow, and I love that she became a, a woman who really, really wants to see this team succeed and wants to see people in her life succeed. And she's still healing and – the episode um when her father dies, the the funeral and all of that is also one of my favorite episodes. I think everything about that episode is perfection. And when they're when she's back backstage, it's not backstage, but you know, she's in the back in the church and they keep saying, You've got to be quiet. And they're just making all this noise and cursing and all this stuff and being really quote unquote rude. But it's so great because I also love just seeing her relax and take some breaths and live and breathe and you know she's the second half of my favorite ship that I will ship forever and we'll get to that soon but I just I I I love her I think she's amazing to watch and and the performance is excellent as well so yeah so that's uh, that's another one and then uh lastly you know I'm going to go with Sam too just probably because He's part of he's the other part of that ship, so you already know what that ship's gonna be. And I, I just Sam is so sweet and I think was seen at first as a as somebody that would be easy to push around. But I think, like you said, Bex, he does come around to being stronger than you think he is. Um, and he's just uh, he's I just love him. I won't add much because I think Bex said it well, but I just I love him so much and he is gorgeous. There are a lot of good-looking men on this show. This is another one where there's a lot of nice eye candy. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: And then they put on those football kits and just start running around, and you're like, okay, all right, I can watch
2: this. <laughs> even even Jamie and his cute little headband, I just love it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
0: <laughs> per request from Bex, but I think this is a and good here one. Here we go. About so, <laughs> so, Bex, what is your favorite? ship on this show. And well, if you don't know what shipping is, I mean, because I've had people ask me this before. I'm assuming if you listen to this, you do know. But if you don't know, it's basically shipping two people together. There's couples and stuff like that. So what's your the, favorite?
1: There's so many great ones on here. Um, I am going to have to steal yours. Just, I mean, we can double up. That's oh, yeah. You can um, definitely um, mention things. But I will just quickly mention Higgins and his wife are just chef's kiss. Um, but I, I call them wealthy Sonya uh sam and rebecca uh from welton and obisanya i i absolutely love the way their relationship came to be i also think it's kind of a fun little nod to cheers right sam and rebecca um, (laughs) and and for those listeners who might not know uh jason sudeikis's uncle is george went who played norm on cheers so there's like a little Connection. I don't know if we can connect it back to Finn Wittrock in any way. (laughs) I'm sure we can. I'll think about
0: it.
3: The degrees of separation here. That's gonna be my homework. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to find that through line from like (laughs) Ted to Finn.
1: All right, I can't wait to hear it. There is a big age gap, right? Um, probably about 20 years between the two of them, and it it's weird that it doesn't bother me. Like so. Rupert and Bex. Yeah, I get two characters named after me in this show. That's cool. Um, (laughs) But Rupert and Bex, that icks me out. And it icks me out because this is going to sound almost contradictory, but the power dynamic in particular. Because we see him as manipulative, because we see him as using her to get what he wants and we see that happen oh she bought some shares she's a minority owner oh now you know like now i can have those blah 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 it's like like elon musk and twitter like let me buy a couple of shares in it and now i'm gonna take over right this is what he's doing he's that gross and manipulative and using her and And honestly, when he says that whole thing about like, I have a daughter that changes me, I just wanted to slap him. Um, (laughs) that, That whole dynamic between the two of them is really gross. Now, why is that not gross to me when I see it with Rebecca and Sam? I think we do have a power dynamic issue. She is the owner of this football club and he is a player. Like there is an issue there. But because their relationship developed and came to be in the context that they didn't know who each other was and they learned to appreciate and trust each other and 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 enjoy each other's company just through words like they knew they had a connection before they knew who each other was so it was never a oh I'm gonna use her to like be this in the football club or I'm gonna use him uh like to control what I want in on the team and in fact we see the opposite when when she actually says like you know she's given this this ultimatum maybe that's before that's before um but the whole thing with the dubai air and everything like we see that she's not taking advantage of him just because she's in a position of power and he is not um and again if they had started this relationship in person I think it would bother me a little bit more than it does based on the fact that they got to know each other through this app where they couldn't see who the other one was. And honestly, that scene in the restaurant when they're just like coincident, like, oh, you're here? Oh, that's too funny. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, I'm wearing a blue suit. No, like what? that is the best moment. Like I'm watching that whole thing play out. Um, and, and just the scene when they're eating and all of that, you know, She's got a glass of wine. He's not drinking. That's his religion, right? That's part of who he is. It's like all of that respect is there in that moment, and even in the the scene in the closet in the funeral episode. Oh, that's- it's heartbreaking. <laughs> it's heartbreaking, but it's beautiful. And like honestly, that was the only way breaking up that ship worked for me, because. She needed to go do something for herself. She wasn't leaving him for someone else. It wasn't for, like, I'm going to go be with Ted because that's a whole, like, that is a rabid ship in this fandom. Trust me. I, like, I've muted Ted Becca because I just don't, I just don't do Ted Becca. Um, (laughs) But it it just, it worked for me. It was so beautiful. And he's like, you know, I'm just going to keep getting better. (laughs) so he's honest he's confident and they they grow from each other so even if they don't end up even if they're not end game for the show which I, I will be okay with it because of the way it all played out with such care and respect for one another so yeah i could go on for hours i probably already did but <laughs> let someone else have their turn
0: <laughs> so judy your favorite chip
2: um yeah just kind of thoughts about <laughs> Sam and Rebecca. I'm actually not a huge fan of it. I don't hate it. Um, but the the power dynamic is a little bit of a eh for me. And um honestly the age difference to me is an is another thing. You do so much living and so much changing and so much growing between your early 20s and even just your late twenties you're not even the same person at, he's probably what, 22, 23. You're not even the same person at 23 as you are at 30. And then to, to get in a permanent relationship with somebody who's probably pushing 50. I don't know. I just, there's so much that will change and grow and, and so much living that she's done that he won't be able to relate to and, and vice versa. I don't know. It's just, it's not a ship that I'm, really crazy about. Um, honestly, my favorite ship, of course, is Keely and Roy. I just think they're adorable, but I've already talked about them. I do kind of low key ship Ted and Rebecca. I don't really care if they end up together or not, but I can see like, because I really love their platonic friendship. I think it's so respectful and thoughtful and I love seeing those kind of relationships on TV. But I don't know, there's there's a low key piece of me that um, thinks that they would really be also good for each other. They have both had rough lives and rough things happen to them and difficult things. And the way, I just wanna talk about the way that they juxtaposed their, I don't wanna call it confession, but you know, there's that scene where she's talking about her father and he's talking about his father. The way that was written and edited and, and played was just gorgeous. And um, I would not be surprised at all if it was also hinting at things to come. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Like I said, I, I, I'm not like ship them all the way, but I kind of low-key think that they would be kind of beautiful for each other so i
1: think if they take the writing there i will accept that like i'm not anti that i think i'm anti the the fandom part of it but so I, I
2: haven't really I, been a part of the fandom i don't know, yeah. Yeah. I don't know kind of
1: but I, i'm, <laughs> I don't know, I'm but. okay with that ship if they take it there if the writing leads us there and it makes sense i i will be okay with that
0: so susie do you have a different ship
3: oh this is kind of like, like the a rebel two, ship um, it's more of like a, like a, like a, it's, it's cheating like a little bit. Um, I just like the overall friendship between the team players. I love how much like they're all there for each other, but they're also so ready to give each other shit, <laughs> like, to just mess with each other. And like the, the, the friendships that they formed and the camaraderie. I think it's just, it's, it's really sweet to see that. And also how they're, just there for each other I think my overall favorite scene is when everyone just like in the final episode of season two they just rally together and are like if if we win we win if we don't we don't and it is what it is and when they all get together and touch the believe sign that is like one of like my most like favorite moments that I think I've seen in a show ever because just like like, just Isaac, just, like, not wanting to go for the hand, the the middle, like, hand pinwheel thing. The, the hokey pokey hand thing. I don't know what that's called. <laughs> but instead of just, like, walking past Ted and just going up and touching the, the sign. And then everyone else getting around him and going up and touching the sign. And I really like how Jamie, like, tries to repair his relationship with everyone on the team and he puts the work in and is like hey guys I acknowledge and I know that I was really shitty before but I'm trying to make change because I want to be a better person I don't want to be the guy that I was because it is a very like lonely life when you don't have any support systems in place he's like I can see that if I put the work in if I show you guys that I am actively working towards bettering myself, that I can have a good support system. And I just, I really like that, Monim. And just, just like the, just like I said before, just the support that the team has overall and how you can see that, even though they all come from different places, they're
0: all really ready to support each other. And I just really love that. That's that's my ship. I love that. I love that you did that, Susie. That's awesome. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Because we don't talk enough about Friendships and especially male friendships, like healthy male friendships. So, yes, that's that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, <laughs> Sam and Rebecca are mine, and I totally acknowledge and agree a lot of what you said, Judy, is very accurate. It is true. There is that power dynamic. There is the age difference. The reason personally the age difference doesn't bother me as much is because I am so flipping sick and tired of seeing older men with younger women and I get so sick and tired of that, that I was like, this is so refreshing. (laughs) So I get it. And I I understand that
2: it It is kind of cool to see and, and good for Rebecca.
0: I know. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And he like really desires her. And to see that from a younger man, when you're an older woman, that's very nice to see. That's very nice to get. So I do appreciate that because I hate that, you know, you'll have Harrison Ford in movies And he'll be paired up with, like, a 30-year-old actress. And it's just so annoying and tired, and I hate that trope, and I want it to end. So while I will ship Sam and Rebecca until the show ends, I do acknowledge that there is that power dynamic. There's also the fact that they probably would not be a couple that will last, honestly. Even though I love them and I will ship them forever, they're not a couple that's going to be, like, get married and live happily ever after, I don't think. Uh, But I just... Like I said, I just enjoy seeing that so much. I think they have amazing chemistry and I just keep thinking, God, you you go, you go, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> you have fun because that looks like they're having a lot of fun. Um, but I love the scene at, in the closet at the funeral and I wrote down the quotes and that's all in talking about them. I love this whole exchange between them. It starts with Rebecca and Rebecca saying, there's one thing I just can't get past. He says, what? She says, you're wonderful. He's like, what is that a bad thing? And she's basically like, yes, because, or why is that a bad thing? And she's like, because you could really hurt me. And i saying, but you can hurt me too. And her saying, doesn't that scare you? He's like, no, does it scare you? She's like, yes, and I think I need to figure out why. It's such a beautiful, beautiful exchange. And I rewound that scene and watched it again because I just loved how honest that was from both of them. And the fact, like you said, Bex, that was a perfect breakup and they may get back together, they may not, but it was perfect because it was so real and there was so much caring and love in that exchange. And that feeling is so honest that Rebecca is feeling of, you're too wonderful. Some What if the shoe drops? What if you hurt me? And I've been hurt so much. And I think what you're saying, Judy, I think that does also come into play with her life experience, a little bit different than his life experience there, where she has had years and decades on him of experience and relationships. And she came out of a really bad marriage. And so I do think that does kind of play into that where she knows what that's like and she's afraid and she her heart was torn into pieces. Um, so, yeah, I just um, and I love the line when she finds out it's him that she's been talking to because they kind of set it up where you think it's Ted. And then when you find out it's Sam, it's this little curveball there. But I love when she's like, oh, my gosh, I've been grooming you. <laughs> that's what i mean like she
1: says stuff like that so you know that she's not actually doing that yeah <laughs> yeah
0: he's like you're not doing that to me <laughs> but oh. i love that it also makes me love her more so and sam more so that's why they're two of my favorite characters
2: i wanted to make one more comment about ships True. i just really 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 want coach beard to find somebody worthy of yes. him yes somebody smart and thoughtful and cool and unique i oh i love beard and i don't think the girl that he's worth that he's with right now is doing it for him
1: (laughs) i (laughs) agree beard and jane both have a lot of things to figure out and (laughs) unlike unlike sam and rebecca they aren't having a smart conversation
0: about how's best to do that for them yeah beard
2: Beard deserves somebody awesome (laughs) i agree
0: i agree i second that Okay, well, now we're going to talk about the handling of mental health because that's a big thing here. And so I'll give the trigger warning again because we're going to talk about depression, anxiety, panic attacks. Um, suicide could, could come up as well. So, Bex, overall, how do you think they handle mental health in here and the portrayal of it?
1: I, I really like the way it's portrayed. Now, um, as someone who doesn't have firsthand experience with anxiety, I can only, you know, sort of assume how i know from what i know it's different for everybody and i i do like that they they kind of lay that out um with ted and his reactions the way they film his uh, anxiety attacks is like you feel like you're there with him but um hopefully not in a triggering way for people i don't know um i can't wait to see what they do with it in season three And that's, you know, I know that initially they have a three-season arc planned. So it's potentially that the show could end after three seasons because that was sort of the, the story they had created. And if they do, I think how they're addressing Ted's mental health in the third season is going to really, really be important. I like the gradual reveal of his mental health struggles to the audience um as well as to those around him you know rebecca picks up on it early on beard probably has some inkling but like at the same time they don't talk about it um, you know there's a great scene between rebecca and ted where they're like well, i don't need a therapist that's what i have friends for anything you want to talk about no nah, no nah, i'm good i'm good right and it just shows that like that is not enough sometimes and 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 he really needs that help um his attempts to hide it and to mask it seem pretty realistic to me Um, and in particular his skepticism of therapy after the bad experience where his wife's therapist became their couple's therapist which is not how it should go it's not typical it's not you know you have to find someone who is neutral in that case and and that obviously wasn't his experience. So it's kind of turned him off of that. Um, and I'll want to talk a little bit more about Dr. Sharon uh, in a little bit when we talk about representation and all. But uh, I do like that they brought her in because for a sports team to have a mental health specialist like on call is really, really uh, helpful. You know, season one, it's Toxic Masculinity, season two, it's mental health, and like in the sports world, and and just the fact that they're even addressing that there's a need for that is something I don't think I've ever seen in any other TV
0: show. So, or in real life, um. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, Judy.
2: Yeah, those are those are great points about it, and I'm I'm definitely looking forward. I didn't know it was a three season arc, but it it definitely makes sense. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it. When I saw this question about handling mental health, what I started thinking about was about the, the thing you hear called toxic positivity, where it's like this always positive to the point that we don't deal with the things that are underneath. And the first thing I thought about was the ironic timing of this show. This show came out in the middle of a global pandemic where it was a time where we all really, really (laughs) needed a boost of something good. And this show came out and it was so positive and it was warm and comforting. And we were in the middle of a lockdown. We were scared. Many of us were lonely because we were locked down alone or with people that were toxic to us. Um, It was just a really rough time we couldn't always see our families we certainly couldn't hug them and then along comes this you know kind of fluffy show which on the surface it felt like like i said it kind of felt like a big hug um with positivity and comedy but you know just like in ted lasso we see that like that was what was going on on the surface and i thought that it really paralleled life because at that time you know, when the pandemic began, people were singing from their balconies. We were having nightly applause outside of our doors for the healthcare workers, the essential workers. Companies were falling all over themselves to provide, you know, COVID pay and COVID relief and make a big deal out of it. But it was really all just a facade, right? Underneath all that toxic positivity was some horrible things brewing police violence and racism, months of protests and riots and um, a culture that completely took advantage of those healthcare workers and those essential workers that we were singing from the balconies about. And so I felt like this show came out at the perfect time to parallel this toxic positivity. Like you can't just paint over the, all these problems that are brewing underneath with compliments and positivity and everything's great and rainbows and unicorns because that just that just puts a, a cover over a, a bubbling volcano that's about to erupt. So I thought it was, I don't know, I just thought it was a fascinating parallel that this came along exactly when it did. And um, it's an interesting time to compare it to what is going on in the world and in in season two we see that all that positivity that we saw from season one that was like yes love could save the day and the team will do better and everybody you know all that all this is great but underneath it we see so many problems start bubbling up um with ted's anxiety and with rebecca's father uh you know dying and the issues of her keeping a smile on all of these years hiding the fact that she watched her father have an affair um everybody's daddy issues that i already brushed on but just so much stuff going on underneath that had to be dealt with or kind of bad things are going to happen like look where we are with nate um you know nate was treated well he was promoted he was embraced and acknowledged and and gained all this notoriety and respect and everything and that still wasn't enough to deal with his daddy issues (laughs) um and and self-esteem issues so yeah i think it's it's fascinating the way this show shows that you know love can't always save the day like sometimes you need therapy (laughs)
0: Susie, your thoughts?
3: So I think the show handles mental health really well and the representation of it really well. Um, So just like a little bit about me. I've I've dealt and I've been dealing with uh, depression, anxiety, and I have panic attacks. And something that my mother always tells me is that, (laughs) unfortunately for her, (laughs) she's always been around to see me go through this. And one thing that she's always told me is like, I don't know what it is you're going through, and I don't know how to help. And like, I'm a little upset that I wasn't able to be part of the stream last night because I was going to talk about this a little bit more there, but something that I really appreciate about shows like One Day at a Time and Ted Lasso is that when we do have moments when these characters are going through like depression or their panic attacks and such, I feel like it's portrayed in a way that's easily understandable to the viewer so they can get some kind of idea of what themselves or people that they know might be going through so one thing that i appreciated about this show is that i was able to watch it with my mom and in the seventh i think it's the seventh episode of the first season when they're at karaoke and ted has this panic attack when I, i remember watching that episode with my mom and i turned to her and i was like so you know when you see me having my panic attacks this it's not exactly like this but it's similar to that and in a way that helped us have more of a conversation around it and that helped her get a better understanding of what's going on inside my head and what I might be going through in those moments and then we can we can talk about things more and she can understand things better and that's what I really like about the show and I really appreciate that they they are able to like be respectful about it and not treat it as sort of like a like um like a shock value sort of thing or like like it's or like it's sort of like a sideshow thing. it's it's presented as real and it is something that Ted is going through and that people are going through. And I just I really like its
0: treatment and the way it's presented to us. Thank, and thank you for sharing that, Susie. Thank you for sharing that. So, I appreciate it. No, I appreciate it. No problem. It's not, easy, not easy to do, I know. So, thank you, thank you. Everybody knows this is the area that I am the most critical of because of my own personal experience, and I think this show does an amazing job with this for for the most part. I do think. They focus a little bit too much on the white characters getting the mental health they deserve and not so much on others. I I will say, I think the way the Nate situation is handled is actually awful. It's one of the things I do not like about this show. And I'll talk, we'll talk about that in a minute. But I think the panic attacks, as someone who has panic attacks as well, that to me was the most realistic way I've ever seen that filmed just the way it's filmed. It's not so much even watching him with that, but the camera um, stuff like that. It's it, it, the music, uh, the sound, everything is so on key, I think. And it really does, you know, people have said, you know, people will say it feels like you're having a heart attack. It really does feel like you're having a heart attack. I've gone to the emergency room because I felt like I was having a heart attack. And the sad thing is the way healthcare treats it when you go there and you go to an emergency room and you have that is not very nice. They're not very kind to you. It's very much like, well, it's just a panic attack. (laughs) Get over it. It's just a panic attack. But it is this horrible feeling when you have that. And there, there are medications for it. There are medications you can take like right when you start having one and it it can sometimes help you right away. But it is a very scary, scary place to be in. And I appreciate so much the way they they show that and portray that and how hard it is for him and the shame and stigma attached to that as well, which is something that we don't deal with as a society as a whole anyway. We treat it very much like something – Uh, still that you can just take a deep breath and you'll be fine. Do a yoga pose, go for a walk, eat differently, take some vitamins and everything will be okay. And that's not the case usually. And I'm not, once again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that stuff because that is part of it. That is part of trying to feel better, but there's other parts to it. There is the part of therapy. There is the part of if needed medication and so the shame attached to it and the fact that people don't think of it as a real life threatening thing it's a life threatening thing it just is you see that with Ted's dad and the fact that he took his own life because he couldn't deal with that stuff and and the fact that Ted has carried around the weight of that you know and carried around this survivor's guilt really um is just so heartbreaking and sad to watch and I'm glad they're actually dealing with that honestly I think it's very honest and one of the best depictions ever and you know it and I agree with what Judy was saying about how the timing of this especially with COVID and how we did have that moment of everybody coming together and you had you know the John Krasinski some good news thing and you had like All these moments of people, you know, I have them come up now in my memories from two years ago of all these things people were doing to come together as a community. And we do like, you know, virtual like karaoke night. We did virtual karaoke night once you do like virtual watch parties. They had like these YouTube watch parties of movies, like Dirty Dancing and stuff like that. So it was like this moment of that. And it's very reminiscent to me of what happened after nine 11 as well, because there was this brief moment in time and it was extremely brief. And then it all turned to anger, hatred, racism, Islamophobia, just, you know, took over. Uh, But you did have this brief time where everybody was kinder to each other. And it's so heartbreaking when you see stuff like that happen. And then instantly. You come to realize people didn't really mean that, like during 9-11, it was very much, you know, yes, let's all come together and then let's bomb other countries and kill a bunch of people. And it's the same kind of thing with the pandemic. And so with this, this is a lesser degree as far as like, you know, emergency level. But seeing that where in the first season you see Ted is very much like gung-ho positivity all the way. Let's just be positive and then you'll overcome everything. And that's the same kind of stuff that there are a lot of people that do that when it comes to mental health. I have friends that'll do that. That'll be like, just be positive. Just, you know, just dream board everything and it'll magically happening happen. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I have my dream board, my vision board of interview guests that I want on this show. So there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're telling people that are in a trauma, in an actual trauma, just do this. Just be happy. Just be positive. It's really fucking difficult to do that when you're in the midst of trauma. It's the hardest thing in the world to do. And it hurts. Honestly, it really hurts when people do that. I, cause I understand why people do it. And I, and I understand that people don't know what to say exactly, but there can be this pain to it because you're like, why can't I just do that? Why can't I just paint a smile on it?
2: And I, I think I'll just see a goldfish. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and that's what I think is so great with watching the Ted character is he's done that for so long. And the reason he's doing that is because he has all this internalized pain and trauma that he doesn't want to deal with. And he's finally forced to his body is like and his brain and his mind and his soul is like, that's enough, dude, we have to deal with this. And so I appreciate so much that that ended up happening and that they didn't just keep going down that road because I think that would have gotten exhausting as a viewer. And so, yes, I, I applaud them. I think they handle it pretty much perfectly. And like I said, it's the, it's the best portrayal I personally have ever seen of a panic attack <laughs> on on screen. So I appreciated that a lot. So yeah, because you feel the physicalness of it. That's what I, that's why I liked it. The physicality, you really can feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, lastly, I want to just talk about representation and how well or not well or how well you think or, you know, how that you think overall they handle that Bex. Well, so with the team, I think in
1: terms of like racial representation, uh, different countries that all the players come from, they do a good job. And, and you really get that vibe at the Christmas episode when Higgins is like giving cheers to every home city that, that these players have come from. and And that's all well and good. But when you look at who the main characters are, they're almost exclusively white. And, you know, at this point, I couldn't really imagine someone else being Higgins or being Keeley or whatever, but it would have been really cool to have that representation off the bat. Um, obviously, you have Nick Mohammed's character as Nate, and you see him struggle. And I know that that's, it's a really hard thing to watch, like, the only, in season one, he's the only POC in the main cast. Uh, season two, they add Sarah Niles, who plays Dr. Sharon as uh, like core cast to see him sort of be the one to have the downfall. I'm hoping there's like a redemption for him in season three of some kind anyway. But I do think it's really fascinating that like all the stuff that he went through, he's in such a bad place that the minute Ted isn't holding his hand anymore because Ted's dealing with his own shit uh, that he, he really just goes downhill um, and and I hate to see that for Nate, and I hate to see that in one of the only POC main characters uh, of the show. Uh, one thing I want to mention real quick is with Dr. Sharon, and I was trying to read up on this a little bit before doing this episode because I didn't, I've heard this thrown around a bit, but the idea of the, the Black Lady Therapist. Right, you have the black lady therapist, and she's just gonna go in and fix everything for everybody, and she's gonna hold the white character's hand and this and that. And yes, that we do have that to a certain extent with Dr. Sharon, but what I like about her character is that it is a developed character. We see Dr. Sharon's flaws, we see Dr. Sharon on the phone with her own therapist, you know. Therapists having therapist, that's real. Like every therapist that I'm I know goes to a therapist and to have that shown in the in the show was really important. To have her not just be like, oh, everything will be okay and I will make everything better for you. She pushes back against Ted and she says, no, you have to do this. You have to come to terms with these things, et cetera. Um, and she keeps her boundaries, you know, when she does the house call and he's like, are you gonna charge me for this? And she's like, yeah, like, this is my job. Of course I'm gonna charge you for this, right? I do appreciate that. I don't I can't speak for sure if like, you know, besides the couple articles that I I read on it where there were uh black women who had been critical of this trope being used, saying that she was one of the examples that they were more okay with. I, I, I don't know. I can't speak to that firsthand. Finally, the last thing I want to talk about in terms of representation and this better be in season three, or else I riot. It is the only thing that I think Ted Lasso does a horrible job with so far, and that is LGBTQIA representation. Now, to be fair, I have a theory. And if that theory proves to be true, then I know they've been planting the seeds all along and it was more just something they were going to spend focusing on season three. But this is what I think is going to happen. Season one, as I mentioned, talks about general toxic masculinity in the sports world. Right? Like, oh, being the bullies and this and that to Nate, to Colin, to whoever. Season two did a lot of focusing on mental health in sports and um, the issues around that. And I think what they really need to do in season three to kind of hit the trifecta here is deal with um, the LGBTQIA plus representation in sports and having a character come out. And that character, will be i'm predicting it now will be colin that character will be colin because they plant the seeds a little bit right uh when when um keely introduces the dating app to them and she spells out banter he's like oh like grinder right you know and he's one of the first people who's going to see dr sharon and it's like that i'm a strong and capable man and and so I think they're laying the groundwork for that, but obviously we'll just have to wait and see if that is the case. We have Keely. She's bisexual. That's awesome. I, I mean, at least that, that seems to be, like, I, I think it's explicitly enough stated. Um, but I, I want to see someone who is affected by the sports world to have to come out, or not have to come out, but to, to come out, to choose to come out and to see what the reaction within the team is going to be
0: around that. And I hope it's Colin. I agree. That's one area really, they need more. Uh, So Judy, your overall thoughts.
2: Um, Ditto to everything. (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, the, the team itself um, has a lot of diversity because soccer Aka football is <laughs> a very international sport, and it is the, you know the number one sport in the world, um, and so teams are made up of people from all over the world, and that that's that's pretty great to see. So we do get a little bit of cultural diversity and uh, racial diversity with within the team. Yes, a lot of the leads are white. I mean, it certainly makes sense that. Uh, the two coaches are white because they are played by the two guys that wrote the show and they wrote characters for themselves. So, <laughs> you know, I get that. <laughs> You're not going to change that. And honestly, most, most owners of professional sports teams are white. So it kind of, you know, it kind of makes some sense. Um, I, I They could have maybe, maybe made Roy or, um, oh gosh, what's the other drawing a blank, the douchey one. Jamie? yes. (laughs) It could have, you know, either one of those, but Sam, Sam is lovely and adorable. Um, So yeah, I, I think they probably could have done a little bit more with um, diversity in that perspective. The thing about Nate is interesting because, you know, on one hand, yeah, you took one of the few minority characters and kind of turned him into the villain but I'm sure that Nick Mohammed, when he saw that script was like yes you know I mean this is meaty this is interesting you you know you gave him you be, turned him into the villain but you also turned him into one of the most interesting characters so I don't know I I, I do hope he gets a redemption arc because I loved season one Nate up until he started to become, you know, kind of a jerk. So <laughs> yeah, I'll be interested to see what they do with that. But culturally, a lot of the times, um, you know, especially being from a family of color in either the UK or the United States, or or you see those families um, put extra pressure on their children to succeed because it's you know you have to work twice as hard uh because you've all you're already starting without the benefits of being white you know like uh so I think that is not an uncommon I I don't know if tropes the right word but an uncommon not an uncommon stereotype that you see so you know Nate does have a lot of that pressure coming at him from his father so Yeah, I'll be very interested to see what they do with that. But yeah, I, um, what Beck said about, uh, I would love to see a queer character uh, next season, because it's, it's such a thing that we need to talk about in sports. We have always had queer athletes, but it's not always been safe for those queer athletes to come out. So you know, setting up an environment where you've got a caring coach and a caring um, team owner and a supportive team might just be, you know, the impetus that one of these characters needs to come out, whether it be just the team or publicly or whatever. But I think it would be a, a really interesting story. And... Um, one that would be great to tell because I think the you know the stereotype is just there so much, and the fact that so many athletes who are queer are are stay in the closet and don't come out with it, it perpetrate you know it keeps that stereotype going, and it it makes people who might who might want to play in that sport not you know not want to play it to, to begin with because they're afraid of of being accepted or not so yeah some queer representation from the show would be you know like you said the the trifecta of like (laughs) bring it i'd love to see that
0: (laughs) yeah susie
3: just to kind of like i completely agree with with everything that bex and judy have said they've they've put it really well um i i didn't want to say that i would like it's been mentioned before season one focused on like toxic masculinity in sports. There was a like through line. And then well, season two, as we saw and have discussed repeatedly, was about mental health, especially in sports, because most times these topics are really talked about. And especially in sports. It's more it's like that, like the world of sports has been more of like a like a like a quote unquote boys' world, so to speak. And in that like boys' world, it's like we don't talk about these things; they just happen. And what it and what I really like about the representation that we've seen so far is that it allows for there to be a conversation about these sorts of things, and just kind of really opens it up for discourse. I feel so. I do agree, and I would really love if third season would would focus on like queer athletes in sports because, like like we said before, there are And oftentimes, they don't feel very comfortable, like, coming out, especially when it comes to, like, team sports, because there is that kind of, like, somewhat of kind of, like, an alpha mentality, which can lead to, like, very, like, horrible, like, bullying and just, like, horrible mistreatment that then leads those athletes to, like, either leave the sport or do other unkind things to themselves which is horrible and I think that having probably having that's like the third season focus on some of that would be a really good way to again also open the door for having a discussion about that and I completely agree with Bex's theory I do think that it's been hinted that Colin might be leaning like I like I kind of believe that and I also th- think the actor himself has also kind of that as well in a way by liking some some posts that people have made about the actor but but yeah just like like listen and i'm always for more queer representation and i feel that with a team as as accepting and as open as this one is and how much they've grown with each other feel like that would be really great like and this is I'm gonna bring this back to the lovely pirate show (laughs) (laughs) because there is an episode where one of the characters like the rest of the crew basically finds out that they're non-binary and they have a conversation where they're like are you a man are you a woman what do we call you and their response is just like you knew me as Jim I'm Jim that's just who I am and like don't worry about it and then like from then forth, there is it like, oh hey Jim, what's up, Jim? And they like respect them and love them. And they're still, they're still Jim. They're still their friend. They're 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 their comrade, their their partner. And I think seeing some I, I feel like it's very possible to see something like that in Lasso, where maybe there's a scene where everyone has a conversation with whomsoever chose to come out. It's like, hey, um, I think Like, I might be gay or, like, I'm going to come out to you guys. And then being like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like, that's great, man. You're still our friend and we're still going to give you shit. But great for you, buddy. And just something, like, I feel, I don't know. (laughs)
2: I feel That'd be really nice
3: to see. Because I just know that this team would just handle it well.
1: I think Colin, uh, Isaac in particular, would be very supportive. And as the captain, that would be a wonderful thing. Oh,
3: yeah. He would... He would be like, all right, anyone's going to say shit, say it now, or I'm going to beat your ass later if you you start being mean in any way. Like his personality, 100% is like, I will fight you.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's that's one area they are severely lacking in and really would love to see more LGBTQIA plus uh, representation on the show. I do want to talk about Nate because it's important to – mentioned this is the only South Asian character on the show, and you have the only South Asian character become a villain without very little talk about how this happened. They talk so much about mental health in the second season, and they talk about it with the players, with everyone, but he gets sidelined a lot, and I love the character of Nate, (laughs) And I always felt for Nate because Nate gets sidelined constantly in the show. And yes, it is part of the the character and the character arc, but he just gets sidelined. And they need to talk more about, about that. They need to delve deeper into what led him into betraying Ted. And, you know, t- leaking to the news source that Ted ha- has panic attacks. They need to go into more of why that was. And I think it's just been exposed, like, on the uh, on the surface and when you have the only south asian character become the villain that's troubling (laughs) i'm sorry but it just is troubling especially if you're not going to really explore why and i still love him i i I guess we're meant to not love him anymore but i still love him and there's a lot of racism in the uk that the show is not really talking about that much i don't think and so, you know, I think there's a little hit, like when Nate goes to try and reserve that table at the restaurant for his parents' anniversary and very much the reason he can't is because of racism. I mean, it's plain and clear that that's why. Uh, and so I want them to explore that more. I do want to say there is an article on the Nerds of Color, um, how Ted Lasso failed Nate as a character by... I know I'm going to butcher this name, so I really apologize, by Swara Sali. And I really recommend going to read that because that puts it into better words than I can. <laughs> so please go read that article. It's a really good article to see why it's such an issue, what they did with Nate. So that's my biggest issue with this show is that treatment and the fact that so many of the characters that seem to be getting the mental health treatment treatment, are the white characters. So I really would love to see more about a better representation there and LGBTQIA plus, please, <laughs> please. I, I do not care who it is. I just really, really want that to happen because I think that's important and especially in sports. And so I'm hoping that everybody's theory of that might be what they explore more in the third season is correct because yeah, because I think they're tackling so much with stuff that is not talked about in sports or the bad side of sports, the toxic sides of it. So I think if they explore that, I think that would be a very good way, good thing to do in, um in season three. So yes. So thank you to my three lovely panelists for joining me for this discussion. I'm glad that we did this so that it, I ended up watching the show. That's how I end up watching most things now. So thank you. I do love this show. Um, I just have a couple of issues with it, but I do love it overall. And, I think all the performances in this show are stellar and most of the writing is excellent. So I say that, uh, but we'll go around and have everybody say where they can be found and where your podcasts, podcasts can be found. Beth.
1: All right. Um, yep. So you can follow just me at a single man here on Twitter. I want to promo particularly my podcast that I do with uh, three other fans called coach Beard's book club, where we read, Uh, the different books that were given out in the show or that appear in the show or that are mentioned in the show. It's only once a month, so it's not a huge commitment. Uh, We've got a new episode on the Beautiful and Damned that just came out, and um, we definitely have opinions on that book and how, yeah, we have opinions. Uh, You can find my other podcast, Big Reputations Pod, at Big Rep Pod on Twitter and Big Reputations Pod on Instagram and TikTok. And my last podcast is Latinx Visions at Latinx Visions on both Twitter and Instagram.
0: Thank you. And Judy?
2: Yeah. Um, so my main fandom presence is on Tumblr, and that is Angels Watching Over. And also on Instagram, I can be found at Ballroom Blitzgeek.
0: Awesome. Thank you. And Susie? Yes, you
3: can find me on the Twitters at suzyq underscore sc and then it has an underscore buddy for so there's two of them for my Instagram and you can find my dog's Instagram at Benny underscore Velocita. Awesome.
0: I just love the the underscore buddies. I just think that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I
3: gotta figure out a way to like sneak in the other one without being like underscore underscore because underscore underscore just sounds boring and yeah. kind of like a really weird tongue twister. So, you know. <laughs> It has a buddy. It's not yeah. lonely. Sorry, Twitter. It's It doesn't get one. I can tell you guys.
0: <laughs> I love that, though. I think that's that's awesome. And this is Aaron. You can follow me on Twitter at E.AprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. On TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. Um, if you would, uh, oh, sorry, go check out our website. It's a fandomthinkpod.com. I love it. I'm going to continue to rave about it because Aaron A. did such an amazing, incredible job. And if you want to reach out to us, if you want to be a potential interview guest, um, anything like that, hit the contact us button there and that will reach us. But you can also email us at it's a fandomthinkpod at gmail.com. And I want to say really quickly, and Susie, if you figure out a quicker, less, because we're playing six degrees of Finwit Rock. That Susie came up with this game, uh, well, not the game, but she came up with using it with Finn, <laughs> <laughs> and I want to say I found the connection. <gasps> what is so, okay. the I will make a list. <laughs> <laughs> but Mother's Day is a movie that stars Julia Roberts and Jason Statham. Is in that movie, and Julia Roberts was in the Normal Heart with Finn Wittrock. So there you go. <laughs> That's pretty quick. There's the connection. Oh, yeah, I was like, my God. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, so there you go. There might even be like a quicker one. He might even have a connection to Jason Sudakis or some other cast member in this show. So if you find that, Susie, let me know. No. I'll, <laughs> let you know. I'll let you know in the tweets. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, on our next live stream, and by the time this drops, we will have that we will know what date but now i don't I'm not sure we will be covering new girl which is my favorite show of the ones that are brand new to me <laughs> love this show so dang much and warning i love schmidt i just adore schmidt <laughs> i could talk about schmidt for 20 hours i will not do that but i could <laughs> that's the new 24 hour live stream is <laughs> that's the new marathon live stream <laughs>
2: Oh all, all, shit, the all the Ravens Brian
0: Murphy. That's what going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I I love that character and I love Max Greenfield. So, yes, so that'll be fun. And then on our next podcast episode, and we've already recorded it, we're going. Bex is there, and unfortunately, we had two other people are supposed to be there, and they couldn't be there, including Susie. Uh, but we are talking about one day at a time. So, and then, like I said, we have a bunch more of these. We're going to be covering community, maybe covering How I Met Your Mother. I don't know anymore. <laughs> um, we're going to be covering Married with Children, which will be very interesting. That's just going to be That'll Carla be and I right now. I'm, I'm excited to talk about that show. Uh, we're going to be talking about It's Always Sunny. Judy's going to be on that. Along Love it. <laughs> With Lauren and Rachel from Sort of Brilliant. Then we're also going to be talking about Happy Endings. Yes, that that was the last one. Okay, I'm like, I, think I, I feel like I'm forgetting one, but I'm not. And Happy Endings is also a first time watch. I haven't gotten to that one yet. That's going to be my last one to watch. But I'm excited for that one because I have a feeling that might end up being actually my favorite. I don't know why. I just do. <laughs> but until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW, void, prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further though? Because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz, and I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts.